Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Who You Don't See, the podcast which celebrates the people behind the stars. In this podcast, we chat to people you might not have heard of, but who are key to making the magic happen. So we'll hear from choreographers, vocal coaches, tour managers. If they work with a household name, this podcast exists to give you an insight into their world. I'm your host, Megan Lawton, a journalist, broadcaster and generally nosy person, and in this episode, I chat to celebrity bodyguard Simon Newton. The thing is, if I think anything's about to get bad, um, I'd just say to everyone looking after we're going. Now, there's a difference between me saying, I think we should probably make a move or I think we should probably speed up slightly. Um, sometimes people don't really listen to that because they're caught cool in the moment. But when I say we're going, they listen to that. <laughs> Simon recently quit the world of private security to chase a career in acting, but in his 17 years in the role, he guarded some of the most famous names in the world. Michael Jackson, Kendall Jenner, Rita Ora, Kate Moss and Bella Hadid are just some of the celebrities he regularly worked with, escorting them to red carpet events, high-end shopping trips and airport runs. Despite looking a little intimidating when on duty, I can confirm Simon is really very friendly. In our chat, we covered all sorts, from the planning that goes into a bodyguard shift, why his dress sense landed him a profile piece in Vogue, and his duty to tell celebrities when they're having outfit mishaps. Enjoy. Thank you so much for doing this. That's all right. So normally I start with all my guests by saying, if we got chatting in a bar and I asked you to do for work, what would you say? For the sake of this interview, we're interested in the job you used to do. So maybe let's go back a few years, transport you back a few years. 20, 2017, if we got chatting in a bar and I asked you what you do for work, what would you say? Uh, I would say I own a private security company. A private security company. And that does not do your glamorous job justice, I don't think. <laughs> you worked as a bodyguard for years. Uh, well, 17 and so not always not always with celebrities but that's that's how long I've been doing it only a certain kind of person or maybe a person of a certain stature can get into being a bodyguard being a security guard how did you get into the job did you I don't know sort of you've been a bit of a, a gym bunny for years you've got the muscles and you think yeah I could do this I could protect some celebrities I used to be in the army so for, for most, not most, but for a lot of military guys, it can be a, a like a normal, natural progression, really. Um, I was working, I was, when I was in the Army, I was in the Iraq War 2003, uh, and I was actually offered a job when I was out there by a private security company, and that's kind of, when I left the Army, I went to work for them, um, and that's kind of how I ended up doing the bodyguard thing. So I was only in the Army for just short of five years. I, was, I did quite a short spell. In the army, I mean, I love the army. I would have stayed in the army, but it's because of the job I was offered. It's a little bit more appealing at the time, so uh, yeah, I took that. <laughs> so you've got the, and not so I don't blame you. You've got your army background. You've got all your training there. How do you then convert that, or is there? Do you need to convert that? Is there sort of additional training courses you need to do to become a bodyguard? In the UK, you have to be licensed, so you have to go and do um, a close protection course to to get your license in. So, um, yeah, courses you have to go and do, medical courses as well. You have to be medically qualified to a certain level. 
Um, and that can also depend where in the world you're working to what level you're at. But yeah, there's stuff you have to, and you have to keep sort of keep up your skills as well. It's not just a one-off. You have to keep maintaining. I am fascinated by the kind of training you would need to go under to be able to say, I can protect someone for 24 hours. Give me an idea of the kind of, if you can, I don't know, maybe it's top secret training, but is it like role play based? You're kind of given scenarios. Um, you normally do, you train for, for most of the, depending what course you do. So you can actually do courses in the military. Obviously the, um, the Metropolitan Police have a, uh, uh, a close protection unit for for the for the royal family and the, the prime minister etc. So they all have courses as well, um, but the civilian courses are a lot different to them. It, you, in the civilian courses, they probably only just about touch on certain aspects because of time. Um, but you normally do all your sort of classroom work and practical. But then at the end of the course or near the end of the course, you'll do an exercise, which is simulated like a real thing and that's that's where you will probably um sort of put all your skills you've learned the last few, couple of weeks into into practice but it's not um it's probably not what people think i think 90 percent of what i used to do as a bodyguard anyway was planning it's most of it most of it's planning in terms of being karate kid or bruce, <laughs> bruce lee um i never really got up to much of that if i'm honest i didn't need to if you plan properly he doesn't come to that so I could, even though I'm I'm only five foot four, I'm not very muscly. I'm quite good at planning. There's a chance that I could be a security guard. Oh, look, I mean, <laughs> bodyguards come in all different shapes and sizes. You know, it's, you don't have to be seven foot tall and seven foot wide. So yeah, I mean, some of the some of the some of the uh, females I got working for me, um, some of them only you know quite quite probably your size to be fair, but they're very good at what they do. I'll give you a call after this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so you are on the podcast today because before becoming an actor, you worked with celebrities behind the scenes often every day. Give us an idea of the kind of celebrities you used to protect because that's what you did. It was a full-time protector. Yeah, I mean, my first one of my first biggest jobs in London actually was looking after Michael Jackson, um, which you're probably not going to get anyone bigger no. in, in, the, in the celebrity world. Um, so yeah, that was my first, that was my first person, which for me, um, is probably sort of, you hit the ground running really with that one, because you, you know, it's, it was right at the early part of my career as well. I was only 26. So it's in 2006, I did that job. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's gone from there really to musical artists. So, um, Rita Ora, um, Halsey, Dizzy Rascal, um, model side i'm probably quite known for the, the being involved with the the model side of things certainly in a number of magazines so um, bella hadid was one Gigi, her sister i did a little bit with um uh, kendall jenner one stage as well naomi campbell if you go a generation up in the model world uh, kate moss um when you look after these people it's not full time day in day out um certainly with the models they had their own bodyguards normally in each country. So when they would fly to France, for instance, they'd use the same guy. When they'd come to London, they'd use the same guy. So it's not, you know, people probably think, well, how can you look after all them people? But that's why you're not with them all every day. That's it. <laughs> well, <laughs> that is more. To be fair, there is a few more in there, but I always forget what, you know, it's been 17 years of doing it. So it's always, I always think, oh yeah, actually now I've been with them as well, but I forget. That is quite the list. Take me back to Michael Jackson. 
were you ever starstruck working with him like as your first sort of your first big job um, when I took that job on I didn't know who it was to start with I was actually working as a bodyguard for um, the foreign commonwealth office in Afghanistan at the time and I'd just come back on four weeks leave um, and someone called me and said could I look after a guy who's coming into London for 10 days and I was actually up in Edinburgh at the time with a friend of mine and uh, I thought oh I knew I was going to come back because up until that stage, I'd only worked in the Middle East between Iraq and Afghanistan mainly. So I knew I was going to come back to London one day to be a bodyguard in London. So I thought, well, maybe this is a good chance to do a couple of weeks and see what it's all about. So I said, OK, I'll do it. Um, wasn't that struck on doing the job at the time because I only had four weeks off. I didn't really want to spend two weeks working. But I did. I come down to London and I did. It. And it wasn't until I got to the airport that they told us who it was. Um and obviously, I did the job. And to be honest with you, I just didn't, I didn't fully appreciate the job I was doing at the time. It was just another person I was looking after. I wasn't really bothered. I was going back to Afghanistan two days after I finished with Michael, so I wasn't. You know, it's just, I think it wasn't until later on where, you know, obviously he's not even around anymore, and people talk about him. And I, I realised, thought, do you know what? Actually, that job was probably a bigger deal than what I thought at the time because I didn't really appreciate it at all. I just did it, and and I remember actually. Um, I went out with some friends after in London. I stayed up for one more night before I was due to fly back. Uh, and someone was in a club and someone said to me, you know, what, what is it you do? What are you in London for? And I said, oh, I've just been down here to, to be looking after Michael Jackson. And they went rubbish and walked off. <laughs> it does, though. It feels like yeah. a lie. That's like an elaborate lie you tell people. Like, and I laughed. People... I thought afterwards, I thought, well, to be fair, actually, you know, but at the time when I said it, I didn't think anything of it. But, you know, afterwards, I thought, well, actually, yeah, that is a bit of a tall thing to say, really. So many people around the world would queue up to spend a day with Michael Jackson. You spent two weeks with him. What was he like? Uh, he didn't get. He didn't get. Um, you don't get too familiar with people when you're looking after them, particularly someone like him, because it wasn't only me. It's five of us. You know, to be able to do that job on your own, it's almost impossible. His his fan base was huge, um, but we did have a bit of interaction with him, obviously over that time, because you do with people. Um, and oh, he was fine. I mean, he was just he was nice. I never really had a problem with him. I didn't have to plan too much of his his time there. A lot of a lot of these uh, other celebrities, I work on my own. In fact, Michael's probably the only person I've had anyone with me. The rest of the celebrities, I've always worked on my own. So when you do that, obviously you have a lot more interaction and a lot more planning. And it, but certainly with um, with Mark, had a lot of people around him, which took care of a lot of stuff. So it wasn't it wasn't particularly um, we didn't have too much interaction with him because of that. Talk to me about what the job entails. By the sounds of it, a lot of planning because I guess. Our understanding of your job, we see you packed with celebrities taking them from a building into a car, but I'm guessing the job involves way more than that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a millisecond of the week you might have with someone. Um, it's probably better for me to explain when I work on my own because obviously you do a lot more. So when you see get packed on a red carpet going into some sort of event, already that day we could have been out doing maybe a dress fitting because someone supplied a dress or suit, if it's a if, it, if it's a male you're looking after, um, to be worn that day or that evening at the function. Already, I probably some some stage in my day, I've tried to get down to that venue to see um, how we get in, how we get out. Maybe have a chat with the internal security who are going to be there that night, tell them that we're turning up. Where can we leave the cars? Although we don't drive, you still need to know where your car can go and where it can be. Um, all the different ways in and ways out of the venue, 
all the different entries and exit points, uh, any sort of a medical attention, the local hospital, what might be nearby, any sort of police, if there's any police actually coming to the event that night because there's going to be crowds outside and what their plan, barriers, um, internal security, fire evacuation. Um, the list is endless. Yeah, I mean, because you, when you do it all the time, you, in my head, I, you know, it's not all written out, this, this is just for me because if anything happens... I just need to know what I'm doing. So it, when you do it all the time, you have a, like a format in your head that you go through all the time and make sure everything's there. But that all has to be done. And then you have to go back. Um, normally, I may, I, may, I may have to get changed. You know, if it's a black tie event and I've been down to the, the event that daytime in the jeans and the shirt, I can't go to a black tie event in the jeans and the shirt. So I have to get changed. And then you go back, um, obviously pick up who it is you're looking after. Um, and then, yeah, and then we'll, go, we'll go to the event. Quite often things change when you get there in the evening. They're not quite like they were in the daytime. Um, so you have to bear that in mind. And sometimes people don't always do things that maybe they promised you in the day. Um, so you have to bear that in mind as well. Um, but it's a little bit, you know, the, the, the tough bits are normally from the vehicle to the venue and, and coming back out again. Um, once you're inside the venue, normally if you've done your daytime meet and greet with all the people down there, um, you can normally have it set up that you're fairly safe when you're inside the venue. If you don't get time to go down there that day and you just turn up at night, which does happen sometimes, it can, can be a little bit of a nightmare. And you're quickly maybe doing a lap of the room, like, right, I'm getting my bearings, there, 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 this is the exit point and our car's there. Yeah, basically you do the minimum that you need to do to survive the night, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get through it. So yeah. is it like a, a, a job that involves really long hours? So you're booked... I don't know, how do your hours work? Are you with 24 hours of a celebrity and you just, you're with them until they decide to leave that party. And if it's great news if they decide they want an early night, but it's bad news if they're on till, on the dance floor till 5am. Yeah, I mean, look, with, with, with uh, let's pick on Bella because I did quite a lot of time with Bella. Um, I'll pick her up from the airport when she come in and I'll be with her the whole time, pretty much until she got on the plane to leave. However, that being said, once she's in her hotel room at night and that's it, the door's locked, I can go home, go to sleep. But obviously that doesn't mean that I have to get up before her and I don't get to go to bed until after her. Um, you can do, let's say, uh, if she's got a flight that comes in at maybe or, um, 9.30 in the morning, I'll be at the airport for eight, which probably means I leave my house at six. So I've left my house at six in the morning. We've then done the airport. We've then spent all day doing whatever we've we've had to do. Uh, we've then maybe gone out for dinner in the evening. We've then maybe gone to a club. It's now four in the morning. Now, I started at six. Yeah, you're like, come on, Bella, let's <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I get home at eight in the morning and maybe I'm back in for lunchtime. So it just depends. It's not like that every day. Every every person you look after is different. Some people don't go out at all. I mean, to be fair, um, you know, Bella wasn't somebody who went out all the time. She did on the other occasion, like, like a lot of them do. I've never really actually looked after someone who does that, and they are out there, but who does that night after night after night after night. I've been, I've, I've stayed away from them. You're avoiding <laughs> them intensely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this might sound like a silly question, but I'm chatting with you today, and you are very, very smiley. I hope you don't mind me saying, but in the paparazzi pictures I've seen of you accompanying celebrities, you look terrifying sometimes. You've got such a scary look on your face. Is that a performative thing? Is that being like, back off because I, <laughs> you mess with me and I mean business? <laughs> um, well, that's why I'm an actor now, see, because it makes <laughs> it, <laughs> it sort of parts I get. But um, 
No, it's not. I mean, look, one that's my resting face. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen your resting face today. <laughs> um, but equally, one of the things people forget quite a lot when when you're being papped a lot, like particularly the models were, um, you can't see anything. <laughs> And that's why some of the pictures you'll see them grabbing hold of my arm or putting their arm onto my shoulder because they can't see anything. So they're relying on me to make sure I put them in the car because they can't see who it is. Well, I can't see anything neither, but I know where the car is because I checked that before we started getting papped. But it was still both walking blind. So That's so funny because celebrities, now I get it, they often look down when they're being papped, yeah, you whereas you eyes wide open. Yes. And imagine if it's a small step rail or something and you trip on that and go down. They're all then paps there. It's a little bit embarrassing. Yeah. So um, so that's why, yes, a lot of time when my eyeballs look big or I'm just, you know, I look mean, I'm just trying to concentrate on no one falling over and making sure <laughs> we hit the car door and not a lamppost. I get it now. I get it now. Just from talking with you already, I'm getting a sense of how varied your job was. There was no nine to five. You never have a set office. In terms of like the planning and preparation, you spoke about going to venues. How far in advance? Will, say you know you're looking after Bella on Tuesday. Will you know what she's going to be doing on that Tuesday or would you find out on the day? Uh, normally you find out for anything anything big with any of these people any big events so you know if you're with a singer and they're singing at the o2 for instance you're going to know when that is probably a few days before um but all the small things because at the end of the day they do still do all still do normal things go for dinner maybe i want to pop in a shop or whatever all that's all unplanned obviously um and stuff like that i just do as quick as possible that's the way to do that just in and out um, and certainly if it's too busy, we decide not to do it because it's not – imagine trying to shop in a boutique kind of shop and buy some trainers or something, and all you're doing is getting people coming up to you every five minutes or trying to take pictures with their phones. And So often what we do, what I'll do as well, is I'll ask the manager if they can empty the shop. Now, when I say that, I don't mean somewhere like Selfridges. <laughs> 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 but if it's a – if it's a small shop on Bun Street or maybe it's got a couple of two or three people in it, and we won't say kick them out. They, if they want to ask them to leave, they can. But we, if we wait in the car for five minutes until it's empty and they just make sure – a lot of these stores have security on the door anyway. Make sure they don't let anyone in for a few minutes. Put a closed sign up just for 10 minutes. And most of them are quite happy to do that. But not only does it make my life easier for people, it makes the shopping experience for the person who's in there just a little bit better. They can, you know, And they want those people in their shops anyway. Yeah, it looks good to have them there. Yeah, totally, yeah. You mentioned popping into places for dinner. Is it ever the case that you get to sit at the same table with these people? You kind of form friendships? Are you part of their crew? Um, well, you're always part of the crew um, because you're with them every day. You know, bodyguards, you just you can't not be with that person. If you're not with them, you're not really doing your job. So like it or lump it, you're with them all the time. Um, but no, I mean, not really. I'm trying to think, have I done that? Not, not that stands out. Um, you try to give people their privacy, you know, I mean, certainly in restaurants, you can't go too far away because again, if they start getting bothered at the table, so I just sit on a table, maybe in, a, in, in eye shot, but equally you don't want to be sitting there staring at them all day, all evening and make them feel uncomfortable. Neither. So there's a, there's a fine, there's a fine line with it, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it, no, probably not. Do you have favorite people who you hang, well, I say hang out with, do you have favorite people who you used to work with? Um, I, I get asked this quite a lot, obviously, and I'll be honest with you, because I was freelance, obviously I worked for myself. 
I never had to look after anyone. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't work for sort of a big company that said, "Oh, you're with East today, like it or lump it." Um, I always worked for whoever called me, and I, I wanted to do it. So because of that, um, I, I liked everyone. <laughs> I only, I, you know, I, I've turned lots of jobs down in the past because I've just not fancied it. Um, and if you know, if I don't think I'm going to get on with them, or they're going to, you know, not particularly be great sort of a great match with me, if you like, or vice versa, then I'd just say, no, thank you. I didn't have to work for anyone. So literally everybody, I mean, at the end of the day, it is work as well. You're not your best mate. So, and now everyone I've looked after has been nice. I've never had anyone who's been a problem, not with me anyway. Were there, um, I mean, you were a bodyguard for 17 years. Were there ever times when you felt worried or scared when you were out and about? Or maybe that's a silly question, given that you've just come from the army and you're at, I don't know, like a whole different world of fear and threat. But when I worked away as a bodyguard, obviously that wasn't celebrity based, but yeah, we used to get in a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. And a lot of guys actually lost their lives over the six or seven years I did that job. So like a lot. In in fact, private security contractors between um, Iraq and Afghanistan probably since 2003 is probably in the hundreds. It just doesn't really get spoken about because it's kind of a civilian job. it just doesn't get spoken about, but that's another topic. But um, yeah. in the UK with celebrities, not really. There's a couple of times. The thing is, if I think anything's about to get bad, um, I'd just say to whoever I'm looking after, we're going. Now, there's a difference between me saying, I think we should probably make a move or I think we should probably speed up slightly. Um, sometimes people don't really listen to that because they're caught in the moment. But when I say we're going... They listen to that. I know yeah. because I would never ask them to leave anything, especially if they're signing autographs or maybe it's a perfume launch. Or, do you know what I mean? They know what, you don't interrupt things like that. So if I, I just turn around and just said, we're going, they would know just by looking at me, we're going. It doesn't mean say we're totally going to leave. Uh, we may go to a green room or a safe room where we're going to just let it settle down for a bit first or maybe just get back in the car. But they never question it. We, I, I, just, I just move them away because it's far better to do that in a slightly earlier stage and have to, you know, react to it later on. And what kind of things would make you say we're going or we're just going to go hop in the green room for a bit? Celebrities, it's always a crowd build-up. Maybe the crowd build-up just gets a bit too much. It's not because of gunmen and knife-wielding lunatics. I don't think I really had that, not in London. It's always in the back of your mind, but probably no more than it is when you're looking after anybody. But, you know, it's London at the end of the day. It's a city, but um, it's always crowd build-up. It's always if we're causing too much attention. Sometimes you've got to think as well is if your crowd's getting too bad as well is um, is it is it spilling out onto the road because we're at, we're at a bus stop taking a picture? Is it causing traffic problems? You know what what, what now what happens at, you know Rita Ora's fans get run over because she's taken a picture? You know you have to think about not just who you're looking after, but you've got to try and look at what's going on around you as well because that could ruin someone like that's reputation if it, if it, you know. Yeah. So interesting. You're thinking about Rita, but also the ripple effect of all those fans. What else could happen? Yeah. I mean, we're always doing that, certainly on social media. Um, if they jump out of the car and they've got their skirt tucked up, or if the guy's, you know, got his trouser legs caught in his sock, like, get back in the car, like, you need to sort that out. You know, you're always looking at what, protecting the image as well as the person is probably the right way to put it. Has that happened? Have you had to be like, Rita, quickly come back in, like, your um, ladies out? Probably not with Rita, but maybe some of the. Maybe some of the models, the female models, where people want a selfie in, in um, 
and they're happy to do it, but maybe it's a male he puts his hand somewhere not particularly appropriately, sort of rather have it run their back rather than lower. Um, so I'll just, you know, maybe I'll just move his hand, won't say anything, I don't need to just move his hand. You know, it's little things like that, little subtle things. Um, but, you know, I mean, all these people, they, they mean well, they're not, they're not doing it to be, just get a bit carried away at the moment, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I get it. If I was a reader, I'd be like, I want to snuggle into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned image there and you're looking out for the musician, the model's image. Let's talk a bit about your image because you, there was a whole article in British Vogue about your fashion sense. Yeah. Um, Do you, what came first? Was it working with the models and then you thought, shit, I need to up my looks? Or have you always just been sort of dressed really dapper? No, I've, and I think people used to think I used to like dress up to go and I didn't have a set of work clothes just to look after models. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a separate wardrobe. I've always, um, I've always been like that. I say always, you know, from like my early 20s. When I used to start training in the gym and getting fit, um, I quite quickly realised that, um, you know, if I'm looking in shape, wearing nice clothes is kind of the icing on the cake, you could argue, you know, or feeling, feeling right with what you're wearing. So I've always been, long before, long, long before I even looked after a celebrity, always been into fashion, always been into trying to look half, half presentable. And one of the things I always say with it as well is it's, it's never associated with money it's all about for me it's about choices you know if, if you gave me um 200 pounds to walk in a high street store to buy a suit shirt and a tie and i come out with a maybe a, a light gray suit white shirt and, a, and some sort of matching tie and black shoes and the other guy went in and bought a black suit um, a brown shirt a purple tie and brown shoes he's probably not gonna look as good it's cost the same money so that's what I always say to people when, you know, a lot of people go, yes, all right, but it's expensive. It's not, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money on looking good. It's choices, not, not, not expense. There was an occasion where I think you were looking after Kendall and Bella at London Pride. Did you? Oh, yeah. and they were wearing their Pride cowboy hats. Did you not think, I want a bit of that? I want a uh, bit of that action. <laughs> <laughs> well, wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> now I got let off actually because if they'd asked if they'd, if they'd asked me to wear one, I would have found it very difficult. <laughs> Do you take sort of take notice of, say you're looking after Bella and you're going to a red carpet event? Does that influence your outfit, or do you always just wear like a suit? Or Sundays you think, okay, we're just going to go out for dinner. I'll look a bit more cash. Yeah, no, I used to change only because of comfort, really. I mean, if it was out daytime, jeans, t-shirt, bomber jacket, um, shoes, always keep it, you know, smart. So you don't wear sports kit. You don't have ripped jeans. You know, if you've got trainers on, make sure they're kind of dressy trainers and not sports trainers. Um, so I used to do it in the day for comfort, really. Otherwise, because like I said earlier, you know, if you're doing a twenty-hour day. By the time you get to, if you're wearing the same, if I put a suit on at six in the morning, by the time I'm going to that event at maybe eight o'clock at night, you know, I, I look like I've been sleeping on the street. <laughs> I'm sure you don't. <laughs> and when you're, when you're, at the end of the day, you are an extension of that person for that night, you know, and if you, your hair's all over the place and, you know, you just look a mess, um, you know, it's not, it's not great. You mentioned there just then being an extension of that person. You also spoke about earlier about how you are a bit of a gym bunny. You like working out a lot. Do you think people have chosen you over the years because you really look the part? Like I, 
I don't think I'd jump at any celebrity. I'm not enough a big enough fan. But if I saw you next to someone, I'd be like, no, not risking being pushed out of the way by him. <laughs> um, it's an easy answer. In the, it's no. And I'll tell you for why. Isn't anyone I've looked after has never seen me before I've taken the job on. So mm. I've been asked to do it. And the first a lot of these people have ever seen me is because I've been at the airport or, you know, wherever it is I'm starting the job. So no one's ever, you know, it's not like a... It's not a dating website. You don't get four or five <laughs> pictures of a bodyguard. Pick which one you want. <laughs> um, so no, That'd be no, amazing, no. wouldn't it? Don't, oh, no, I don't like Tauruses. Don't think they're compatible. They're looking at your CV and see what you've done. Obviously, you know, if you're qualified and what you, your background, you've looked after, not quite quite possibly. And, it's, you know, look at that. But in terms of, you know, does this guy look like Brad Pitt or, look, you know, look like a, a well strongest man? They don't. They don't really do that. So it's the management that will book you. The artist probably has little say. Yeah, it's always the management. Obviously, once you if you go the first time and you do a good job, then it, um, to get rebooked, it's normally the the person you're looking after. Say, oh, I want him again. Um, but initially, the very first time, it's always management or some sort of agent or you know, like the model agency or whatever. I always so I speak to a whole range of people on this podcast. I speak to makeup artists, vocal coaches, stylists, and I always ask them, what's the one job they're most proud of? Would that apply to your world? Do you have a kind of, whether it was you looked after Michael Jackson, you're like, well, the two weeks you looked after Michael Jackson, like, yep, that's the cherry on my career. Do you have that? I mean, I don't, um, I don't get starstruck or wowed over very easily, unfortunately. So... Literally every job I've done, although I've had some, you know, my CV, you could argue it looks quite appealing to some people. To me, it's just another job. All these people are just another job. You know, quite often I'll be with people and I think, oh, come on, go home. You know, it's just, it's it's not, because it's like any job. You know, if you're an astronaut, the first time you're going to space, I'd imagine you're telling everyone, you're tweeting, Instagram, you know, it's all your pictures in your new space suit and your space boots. <laughs> you know, it's all it's all amazing, isn't it? It's great. It's I'm going. You know, you're like one of however many astronauts. It's probably aren't that many. You know, it's it's all great. You ask an astronaut how excited he is when he's going to space again for the seventh time for six months or twelve months or a year. Yeah. You know, it's it's the same thing. It's just like well, not really. I'd rather stay at home to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's the same. You know, after you keep doing this day after day after day. I, I lost sort of, I don't want to say the enjoyment out of it. I enjoyed everyone, you know, every job I did and everything, everyone I worked with. Um, but that side of it goes quite early on, to be honest. You know, the fun sort of. But like you say, it's a job, isn't it? And you can love, you can sort of go into something loving it and, and having that excitement. But when you do it day to day and you've done the Brits, you've done all these red carpets, you've gone to London's sort of swankiest restaurants with these models you've done it it comes a time when it's just like yeah it's not new yeah I, I never I never ever I mean since joining the army really I've never felt like I've worked everything I've done I've just been more than happy to get out of bed in the morning and go and do because I've wanted to do it um so even though I say that you know I don't get starstruck and it's just a job it is but equally I, I was never I never ever dreaded going to work you know it's always it's always great going to work. I get to wear my own clothes. I go and uh, hang out and do these people. I fly all around the world as well. I've been all, you know, about 60 odd different countries doing private security over the years. Experienced all sorts of different things. It's made me some good money over the years as well, obviously. Um, I've got business out of it now. Um, obviously, I'm doing the acting, which obviously has come off the back of being 
in the private security world anyway, you could argue. So, you know, I, I've, I've never, ever, um, I've never dreaded going to work since the day I joined the military, really. That's amazing. Not many people can say that. So you never got the Sunday fear. <laughs> no, but the downside to it is you don't get the Friday feeling either. Because you're always working. You don't have your evenings. Well, you're just always excited. <laughs> the, Friday, the Friday feeling is every day. When it's after anything that's oh. every day, you're used to it, aren't you? That's precious. The Friday feeling is every day. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of things could happen that would make it a bad day at work? Um, an 18-hour day. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, no, a bad day. I'd, it depends again on the job, doesn't it? In the UK, nothing's particularly a bad day. You've got to remember where some of the places I've worked before, a bad day is people never going, you know, people not going home. So yeah. when you've been doing that for quite a while, um, what can a bad, what's really going to be a bad day in, in London or wherever else? What do you think might be a bad day? Is it? Is it really? You know, it's just not. Is it a flight's cancelled, so you've got to wait three hours? for the next one is that really a bad day it's a nuisance not a bad day is it you know little things it just isn't really for me I don't have bad days as such I've some days better than others but bad days not really yeah because you've got that perspective yeah everything I do I always just think am I gonna is it gonna kill me and if it's a no then I'll have a go at it <laughs> maybe I should embrace that attitude it works <laughs> it does work <laughs> Simon, you have been amazing to chat to. Genuinely, I've learned so much from you. We always end the podcast with a piece of wisdom or advice you've been given, maybe by someone you've worked with, where now you kind of apply that each day, day in, day out. Do you have any sort of wisdom from someone that you think the world needs to hear about this? Probably not. And the only reason is they've all been a lot younger than me. <laughs> You're wiser. I've probably been, yeah. So in terms of being around the world and doing things, I've probably actually done more than most of them. Um, so what's your best bit of advice then what, what's the mantra you live your life by well maybe it's, it doesn't kill me let's give it a go <laughs> yeah I mean that is one um, I always say for it's important to and I've kind of said this already in a roundabout way is just make sure every day you wake up you're happy doing what you do that, that's the biggest thing it doesn't matter what it is just make sure you're happy and even if you're not happy because it is hard for someone to say well I'm happy every day let's face it no one's happy every day that's not how the human body works unfortunately but you know, percentage-wise, if you're happy majority of the time, just try and make it more happy than not happy. And there's so many people aren't happy um, Monday to Friday, and they live for two, about two days a week. And even half of the half the Sunday's ruined because they're going to something, do something on Monday they're not happy with. So, you know, just try and um, it's easier said than done. I know everyone's situation is different, but just try and get it out of bed every morning and be happy with what you're doing. And if you and can grab that money as long as you make enough money to live to be honest with my you know my um success to me is far more important than money when you're done with this acting career i think you've got a self-help book in you <laughs> oh, people have said that already but i don't know i always try not to do that but i end up talking about it because all these things are so obvious to me but to others they're not and so i end up like come on it's, it's yeah. easy it really is easy you know I mean? no, you're so wise you're so calm um thank you so much for being on the podcast I've so enjoyed talking to you so you're welcome and while I've got you here can I ask about the acting any sort of future projects in the pipeline uh look out for me now hopefully you're going to start seeing me in some uh it's been a bit difficult with obviously what's been going on in the world lately but hopefully um towards the end of this year certainly next year you should start seeing me in some movies so 
um, I've done an acting diploma last year, screen acting diploma at Pinewood. So um, we're starting to do quite a bit this year now. I mean, it's early this year, but yeah, it's, it's stuff's, stuff's moving forward. So hopefully that's more where you're going to see me rather than standing next to A-list celebrities in central London. Those A-list celebrities will be watching the dramas that you're in. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the Instagram about him like, oh my God, it's my old bodyguard. I recognise him. <laughs> <laughs> As you can probably tell, I loved chatting with Simon and can't wait for his future self-help book. To keep up to date with his acting and any future literature ventures, follow his Instagram at simon.newton. If you're still listening, hello, I'm really very thankful. If I could ask for one little favour, I'd love it if you could subscribe, leave a review and listen to Who You Don't See next week when we'll be joined by Eri Ishuzi. She's the nail artist who got J-Lo's hands inauguration ready. And yes, she was supposed to be this week's guest, but I'm full-on blaming Mercury Retrograde for the tech fails we came up against. Keep safe and hopefully we'll see you then.